Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So I left off the last episode with um, a question many, many moons ago or weeks or days, hours. Anyway, um, and I probably could have phrased this better, but we're going to go with what I wrote. Uh, if NHL GMs had a white elephant gift exchange, which players would be considered white elephants? Can I just give the cop-out answer? Sure. Isn't it any player that moves at the trade deadline? No. They're these big, shiny things that bring zero value to the teams. The white elephant is generally something you want to get rid of. Because exactly. you remember at the last minute that there's a white elephant party. Right. But see, here's the thing. is that At the trade deadline, you're giving something away to get something back. And a white elephant gift exchange, you don't get anything you want back. And, you, and the person has to take whatever you give them. Yes. I guess my family just plays this a little differently. Some people go a little um, nice and fancy, Hmm. which means it's definitely stuff no one really wants. And then someone evidently gets lotto tickets. And then I get the weirdest thing I could possibly find. See, I could have made up some more rules about this. Like, you know, you can't re-gift a gift. All right. Um, But I didn't. So we're, we're, everything's fair game. So my answer is Joel Edmondson or hmm. what's another big slow defenseman that everyone thinks that they want. They end up sticking around for a while to an overvalued contract. And then someone ends up taking them for reasons beyond their control. Is this a blind white elephant, Cassie, where, you know, you're just, you draw numbers and whatever number yes. you get, that's the gift you get. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, Pat, yes. the quick answer to your question is, is, is Mark Edward Vlasic. Hmm. Mike Greer just goes in, packages Mark Edward Vlasic, puts a little bow on him. Hmm. The number 23 is assigned. And somebody picks 23 and has to live with Mark Edward Vlasic. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So um, I went with, I went with um, NHL players who had played on the most teams because, you know, people Cassie, trying to give these guys away. Huh? <laughs> you're opening the door and I need to tread very carefully here. <laughs> Players who have played on many NHL teams. Mm. Well, so currently in the NHL, um, I found a list. Uh, there are three guys who are still playing who have played on eight NHL teams each. Eight. Eight. Oh, wait. Yeah. Nope, one was 10. Current? Current. So, the guy who's played on 10 NHL teams currently, who's still got, he's he's played a thousand games. 
Uh, Derek Brassard. Oh. Then uh, we have um, Dmitry Kulikov, who has played eight on eight teams. Oh, dear God. Really? Interesting. And Eric Goodbranson, who has also played on eight NHL teams. He was most certainly going to be one of my other answers. Of course, that doesn't that doesn't uh, um, match anywhere near Mike Sillinger's twelve. But Sillinger's no longer playing, so. Wow, Broussard just needs a contract and to be traded. Interesting. He could. T- I mean, he's only two behind Sillinger. Hmm. So anyway, interesting. Yeah, I, I was like, well, I, I really, what I really wanted, but no one has a list of this. Weirdly, is I really wanted a list of players who have been on waivers the most. Because there's your white elephants right there. I mean, granted, a lot of that is just going from AHL to NHL kind of stuff, but not always. I mean, if we're talking single season, the answer is Zach Boychuk or the um, computer bot impersonating Zach Boychuk who went on five times in the season. Mm. Ooh. Interesting. Hmm. Would be the guy that you'd have to think to it's someone from the nineties. It had to have been a bottom six, hell, bottom three forward, or like a seventh defenseman, a career seventh D. Yeah, but I'm thinking someone in the era of the re-entry waivers, perhaps, where it's a little easier to To slip through. To sneak them in and out. Yeah. So you've got some weird things going on here if you start talking about about players playing on the most teams because those cylinder had 12 teams. Um, Michelle Petit, who played in from 1982 to 1998. Oh, Petit was all over the place. Yeah, 10 games. JJ Daniel, Jean, 10 games. Jean-Jacques Daniel, 10 games, 10 teams. Matthew Snyder's games, I'm sorry, teams. Uh, Matthew Schneider, 10 teams. Matt Jim Schneider. Dowd, 10 teams. Jimmy Dowd, Oli- yeah. Oli Jokinen, oh, Dominic God, yeah. Moore. You know what the funny thing about Oli Jokinen? You- Go ahead, Pat. I was going to say, do you notice a lot of names of people who end up in certain like front office jobs or with the PA or with rights holders? It's very interesting coincidence, but go ahead, Patrick. <laughs> do you remember why Jokinen was all over the place? In that time frame? Oh, I can't remember. I know that I know there was a reason, but I can't remember what it was. Was this after he went to LA and then bounced around? No. It was the leadership game. Oh, uh... 
Because he had because he had all those years in Florida where he was, you know, the guy. And it was the grit. Intangibles. Mm -hmm. So um... And you know what else? Even though he had a very nice head of hair. <laughs> usually kept it bald, so therefore he was eligible for the Mark Messier leadership. Board. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it looks like this list falls into one of two. You guys fall into one of two categories. You get the guys who were, I don't want to say stars, but bit bigger names who just at the end of their career didn't want to acknowledge that they were done, so they just kept signing with whoever would take them. And then you have the guys who just couldn't stick with the team for whatever reason. So, cause like Yarmir Yager played with nine NHL teams. Clearly he was one of those who just would go wherever he, he could sign. Right. But then, you know, Bobby Dulles <laughs> played 646 NHL games. Not exactly someone that, People wanted to keep around. Sure, he was. So, he was one of those. He was one of those locker room guys that they all yeah. love, right? Supposedly, apparently, he had a short shelf life, though. It'd be interesting. You know what? Those those are the kind of guys that it'd be interesting to see what um, what other transactions happened around them. Meaning, were they brought in for a season be to be the locker room guy, and then that team, you know. Because they thought that team thought they needed that guy. So the trade trees that they were involved in. Well, not just that, but also the the coaching side uh, of it. Right. Yeah. You know how yeah. many of them were brought in. You know to be that guy because the coach knew him, and then that coach gets fired, and the next guy comes in and says, "Get rid of him. He's not my guy," because that that is a pattern, right? You see these guys have their guys. <laughs> And they invariably go in and take another job somewhere and they want to bring in, you know, their good locker room guy. Yeah. Yeah. But then you also have the guys who are good players, but not good teammates that keep getting shuffled around. But enough about Eric Holla. Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> it's like fantastic players. I said good. He's not the worst defender in the NHL. But enough about sure. Max Domi. Yeah. There's a common thread between those names that you have mentioned. Very, very, very curious about that. Hmm. What are? Uh, hmm. That sounds like we need an investigative so, reporter, doesn't it? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, can somebody explain to me what the hell Vladimir Tarasenko is doing? That would require him knowing what he's doing for anyone to explain it. I don't think I've been that perplexed 
no, that's not true. I have been. And it was Klingberg. And then before that, it was Taylor Hall. Doing those weird one deals. Mm-hmm. But I still don't. If the rumors are true and he had longer terms out there, I don't. Wow. Uh, I, I think people are I think people are being misled into believing the cap is going to skyrocket up to some ridiculous amount. It it's it's not. People are being delusional. It's hockey. They're all delusional to some extent. You have to be delusional to be a professional athlete and how to to some extent and then to and many of those guys go into front offices and they don't lose their you know, they don't become disillusioned with their illusions or so you're that you're, you're telling me if they made an album it, it, it would be called user delusion yes okay come on Pat. so Something he was delusional that. before he fired his first agent and then ended up getting arguably a worse deal But one that could benefit him more? I don't know. I'm. I just i i want to pull out the i want to pull out the Hank Hill. That boy ain't right in the head. <laughs> I mean, was it the only Canadian team he could sign with? I. Probably. Like, is he signing with a Canadian team to kind of drum up the noise around him and pull the basically pull an Alex DeBrincat where he didn't have the best of years, but he still got a above average contract. In his sign and trade, or whatever order that that transaction happened, I mean, I I'm just, uh, you know, I I I get the weird feeling he's trying to do the Taylor Hall, you know, sign here and go run up the numbers on a team you think might be competitive, but. Not really. And then see if you can't get bounced to dealt at the trade deadline mm-hmm. and then go earn bank. I just look, if if he ends up getting to play with Stutzla and either a Kachuk or a Giroux. Oh, oh, okay. I see the logic. He's probably not playing with Stutzla. So I, that's where a one-year deal makes a ton of sense. A one-year deal in Ottawa, does it make more sense than some of the other teams he was apparently talking with? I don't know. Again, yeah, in order for it to make sense, he, he would have to make sense, and he may not make sense. I mean, 
It makes more sense than Eric Carlson going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, no, it doesn't. No, 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 no. No, it doesn't. No, 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 no. I, I am so... I'm just dying to see that deal happen. I am just dying to see that deal happen. I am just praying it happens soon. All right, but you know what has to happen if it happens? If he ends up in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and Ottawa need to meet in the Eastern Conference final, and Ottawa needs to go on some Cinderella story and then lose to a Western Conference team in the final. No, that's not what needs to happen. <laughs> oh, come on. No, it, would be, be, no, it really doesn't pass. The symmetry! The symmetry no, would be the, there. The symmetry is the two of them are fighting for the last playoff spot. And actually have a game scheduled that is towards there is towards the end and Ottawa wins knocking Pittsburgh out of the playoffs and weren't they along with Chicago one of the two teams that bounced Pittsburgh in their closing games this past season I think they were yeah, everyone talks about the Blackhawks because they were just well. That know, was the dreadful, the bottom feeder team bouncing them. Mm-hmm. And good on Peter Mrazek too. He he played well that game. The Magic Man does that every once in a while. Hmm. I mean, Ottawa's roster if Corpusalo. Their new 1A is healthy and he doesn't play more than 50 games with a relatively young defense and Travis Havanek for reasons unknown. Um, I don't know. I, I like what they're doing. I like what they're building towards, but Yeah. What? Too too many New York City fumes. I I get. I guess that's that's the answer. Why did he choose Ottawa? Yeah. Who's coaching there now? It's still DJ DJ Smith. For now. I don't know. If that's gonna well, maybe. Well, it, it's all based on when does the new ownership group start to get hands-on? Because I believe the transaction will be done officially by some point in the regular season. Did he go to Ottawa because it reminds him of his hometown? Yaroslavl? Yeah. <laughs> like a provincial capital. I mean, it's he, he gets his name talked about at nauseum in Canadian press for four or five months. That can't hurt his contract value. Oh, Lord, no. It's like I, I'm talking with a certain individual in my area who may or may not be related to a player who 
turned down an AHL-only deal with the Colorado Avalanche and instead signed an AHL-only deal with the Toronto Marlies. You want to know why? His name's going to be out in the press. And he will get more eyeballs on him and the chances of getting a proper two-way deal as a um, first-year coming out of a a first-year pro contract makes a lot of sense. Um, Look, Tarasenko had worse options. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Not sure how much worse, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, he could have gone to Columbus. Columbus. Why you gotta kick me when I'm down, man? (sighs) Which... Makes it interesting that Adam Fantilli like raced to put his pen to paper and was the first player to sign his entry level contract coming out of the draft, knowing who the coach was going to be. With no, you know, number two defenseman Severson. I I I will freely I will freely admit I trolled the 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 Blue Jackets Twitter account um because they posted a, a picture of him of Fantilli in in a in the Columbus Blue Jackets sweater and said welcome to Columbus and I retorted he hasn't even signed there yet. And it was like a few days later that he did sign. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, I, I figured he was. I figured he was done in college. But, you know, the I just kind of got tired of all the teams like, it's going to be great seeing you in a sweater next season. He hasn't even signed there. You know, I felt like it was... I felt like it was in Mean Girls. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it is hockey, so maybe maybe that still applies. <laughs> well, how many times do you see, and it's not, obviously it doesn't happen that much in the first round, but in the later rounds, you know, they draft somebody and three years later, they sign a free agent deal somewhere else because they never signed an entry deal with the first team. Mm-hmm. And invariably that team, you know, says, welcome to the, welcome to the Philadelphia Flyers. Welcome to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So-and-so doesn't even go here. You just own the right to sign them. They can sit there and twiddle their thumbs for three years. Uh, I know. I, I, I know. I just, I just liked it one time I decided to go, you know, try and troll and play around a little bit. I basically get clapped back, you know, by the player a day later or two days later. Mm-hmm. What a bunch of bastards. <laughs> it's been awful quiet. And I say this specifically talking about one person in particular 
who I'm amazed is still available. Is this a right-handed defenseman? Yes. Hmm. I mean, for everyone's too busy at the cottage. That's why. For for the last two seasons, <laughs> he's been bantied about as you know, like trade bait because he's a right-handed defenseman who's good at both ends, who's you know all of these things, and. Uh, and he only turned 29. You have to go. He's got a couple of good seasons left in him. Maybe more. But... Matt Dumba definitely has a, a contract ready to sign. But is he just waiting for Pittsburgh to do something? Like set off the chain reaction and see if any more money shakes loose in the system. From where? <laughs> San Jose, honestly. God, why would you want to go backwards like that? I mean, if you're going to... Well, I mean, San Jose or Arizona. I was going to say, let's put it this way. You, you know Arizona probably had a deal out there for him, and if he didn't sign that, you know, why would he take a left turn at Albuquerque and just go to San Jose, who's in the same position if in a bigger arena mm-hmm. okay now i i feel so conflicted because on the one hand i i love the bugs bunny reference but on the other hand my geography i know like... <laughs> wait that doesn't work it, well <laughs> it depends on whether he's traveling from the north or the south doesn't it arizona to phoenix to san jose is an I mean, you know, you can take as many left turns there as you want, but ultimately it's a big old right. <laughs> <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right, but three <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right, but three rights make a left. Um Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, people. You know what warms my black little heart? is Patrick Kane is still unsigned. I am literally biting my tongue right now. (laughs) I don't know if that's so much them as him. Mm. Either way, I don't care. I I hope that's one player just sort of slinks off into the sunset and we don't ever hear from him again. That's what I'm hoping. But invariably, somebody's going to back a Brinks truck up to him and try and get him on a broadcast or something. Ugh. No, just let him go live in western New York somewhere in peace and quiet and there's an obituary written about him in 50 years or something. Yeah, you can see that didn't warm my heart at all. (laughs) (laughs) Just contributed to the permafrost that is Patrick. Mm. God, when you look at a list of 
current UFAs who had, you know, NHL contracts last year. It's just so sad to see how many careers are cut short here. And how many that we just don't know. There's players like Ethan Bear and uh, Jesse Pugliarvi who, I mean, they're injured. Like the aforementioned former Chicago hockey player who can just go away. Um, but along it's just... With the other, along with the other Chicago hockey player that can just go away. <laughs> yeah, I think he's done. But... yeah. It's just here, here. Here are players that have to rehab injuries, and then hope and pray they can just jump on a roster. <laughs> See NHL. They they like recycling coaches. They love recycling players until it becomes obvious that they shouldn't anymore to everybody. Again, delusional. There really hasn't been much, has there? No, and it's kind of been nice. And it, but but it's kind of clear to me that all three of us definitely had different white elephant types growing up with our families. <laughs> well, we, we always had ours involved uh, the option to steal gifts and rules around that. So it wasn't, um, here's your John Tortorella coach, and here's your Erica Branson defender, and here's your, I'm sorry, I'm just going to name it, but the name that popped to my head, Jody Hall as a forward. Here's your utility forward that you just plop into the lineup. Um, You were looking at my puck dooku, weren't you? Oh, no. If you played for the Flyers in the mid-90s, yeah, <laughs> I, you live in my head, Damon Lankow. Um, oh, my God, Damon Lankow. No, he was a Portland Winterhawk. I'm sorry. <laughs> he played for the Portland Winterhawks. Anyways, go on. <laughs> Enough about Dan McGillis. Former Northeastern hockey player who played in Germany the last few years of his career. So white elephant gift exchange, in my experience, has always been you, you pick a, you blindly pick the person you're giving a gift to. And you can, sometimes it was, you can't re-gift them something that they gave you previously that you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's just a free-for-all. You can give them whatever. And usually there's like a price, like under $25 or something. Uh, but most people would just scavenge around their house and find something that they didn't want and give it to somebody else. <laughs> that was pretty much it. That was that was basic white elephant gift giving going on there. Ours, ours was virtually the same. You, we drew numbers to see the order in which things were picked. And we had a steal rule where no gift could have more than three th- three owners. The third owner who grabs the gift, it's yours. It cannot be taken again. Yeah. So there was some strategy involved. Now, yet, did you guys you know. did you guys have the steal rule in place pre-open or post-open? Post-open. See, ours was pre. Ooh. Oh, see, we, did, we didn't have like a, a 
it was literally like a secret Santa sort of deal where you picked somebody's name and you got, you gave them that gift. So ours. So you already knew who you were giving the gift to, so you could tailor your white elephant to that person. Our, ours became an exercise in um, packaging trickery. Mm. You know. Okay. See, I like that a lot because some people would. Um, there, there is a notorious one that's gone that went around in my family for about a decade, where one year, um, one year somebody got a really tchotchke type piggy bank that when you dropped a coin in, it played the theme from Gilligan's Island <laughs> and said person figured out um, how to extricate the module that had the little sensor and the audio and proceeded to place that into a gift the following year, which was much smaller than that. <laughs> so it was it was like a so you think like a little ring box right so they mm -hmm. they bought a they bought a um one year yeah one year is one of those um ring pops type things put it in a mm -hmm. ring box but they had the gilligan island theme so when you open the ring box you da 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 da, da. and then the person that got it that year <laughs> took notes and figured out you know and so it became a thing so everyone would try and place it in something different size than it was the year before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and because somebody would be like, oh, I remember that thing was in a small package. I'm not taking the small package, you know. I'm taking this thing, which was like a jar of Tootsie Rolls or something. But you open the jar of Tootsie Rolls and da 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 <laughs> And you can now see why I'm in therapy. This is my family. <laughs> Yeah, but ours was ours was uh, ours was the numbers. Everyone picked the number, but you had to pick the gift, and you couldn't open it until everyone had theirs. Steals were available only until the first person opened their gift, which could only happen after everyone was done stealing. Hmm. And you could you could kind of invariably tell who bought you know whose was what because they would avoid stealing that thing. So if you were really kind of playing smart, you'd just sort of see which ones they avoided when they were stealing, if they wanted to steal. Yeah, I have a very twisted family. My family's not so twisted. I have friends whose families were very twisted like that, though. Eldon Wade Reddick. This has been the 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.